Hey, Valley Real Life, so great to be with you today. Hey, lessons from the lake, and we are literally on the, the lake. lake. This is the lake? It's amazing. So, right here. Uh, my name is Kenny, and I am the worship experience team leader at Valley Real Life, and I've been on staff for about seven years now. So, yeah. And my name is Zach Summers. I am the guest experience lead here, and I've been on staff for close to a year. Close to a year. We're, getting, getting, we're close. getting up on a year here. Yeah, it's fantastic. And we just want to really just give a shout out to all the people that have been giving us these amazing lessons from the lake. I mean, uh, Trevor kicked us off with a fishing lesson, and, uh, you know, you got to remember the goldfish and the boat and I'm sure that you know if you were in the front row you remember that uh, and then we've got uh, Dan who kicked us off with an untangled lesson on America's birthday right happy birthday America we were out on the lawn that was really fun and then we got Adam with a healing lesson Jason with the story of Jonah last week and today we're talking about breakfast by the lake yes I love breakfast do you I love breakfast love breakfast especially in Spokane we're a foodie city so there's a couple, you know, I love going to the Brunchinette or Chaps, two of my favorite restaurants. I have literally never been to either one of those, but my favorite is La Peep in Coeur d'Alene because it's basically kind of like by the lake. It's like river, water, it's a beautiful place, delicious. So, but hey, where are we at today in scripture? Yeah, so today we are, we're gonna be in John 21. So if you have a Bible, go ahead and pull up your Bible. We're gonna also have it on the screen as well. Or you can get it on your YouVersion Bible app. Uh, if you uh, check out Valley Real Life on your YouVersion Bible app, you can actually uh, follow along with our notes and our outline. Uh, but we're gonna be reading through the entire chapter of John 21 today. Um, and so I invite you to read along with us. Um, but Kenny and I were invited uh, to preach uh, a few months ago and, and we decided we wanna kinda mix it up a bit uh, and so um, our hope is that after today, that you would feel encouraged uh, to read your Bible, but not only to read it, but to invite somebody to read it with you, maybe a friend, family member, coworker. Um, and so what we're going to do is we're going to do just a simple Bible study. Uh, we're actually going to do it twice. Um, and this is just to demonstrate that anybody can do this. Uh, there isn't any magic juju up here. It's just two friends sitting by the lake reading their Bibles. Um, and so we're going to be doing that, and then we're going to ask three questions. So we're going to read it, and we're going to ask, what does this say about God? What does this say about us? And how does this apply to me? God, us, me. Three simple questions, really easy format, and anybody can do it. Love it, man. So I think the only thing that we're missing is a couple of cold ones, right? <laughs> so, right. hey, I mean, I'll take let's, one. uh, let's grab one of those. Ooh. Oh, my. Aha. Aha. <laughs> That's a good one. My favorite sparkling water. Okay. Here we go. And then we got, well, we got a cheers here. Oh, yeah, we got cheers. And then I think go. you're going to pray to kick us off, maybe? Let's do that. Let's pray. Hey, God, thank you so much for today. Thank you for this uh, beautiful summer that we've been getting to enjoy. Jesus, I pray that as we jump into your word, that you would speak to us, that you would give us truth. Uh, Jesus, in your name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right, well, let's jump right into it. We're going to be in John 21. So we're going to read verses 1 through 14. We're going to camp on there, that section for a bit, and then we're going to be going into uh, the, the end uh, part of the chapter after we jump through this section. So let's go. John 21. Later, Jesus appeared again to the disciples beside the Sea of Galilee. And this is how it happened. Several of the disciples were there. Simon Peter, Thomas, Nathaniel from Cana and Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two other disciples. Simon Peter said, I'm going fishing. We'll come too, they all said. So they went out on the boat, but they caught nothing all night. At dawn, Jesus was standing on the beach, but the disciples couldn't see who he was. He called out, fellows, have you caught any fish? And no, they replied. Then he said, throw out your net on the right side of the boat, and then you'll get some. So they did that, and they couldn't haul in the net because there were so many fish in it. 
Then the disciple that Jesus loved, John, said to Peter, it's the Lord. So when Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put on his tunic for he had stripped from work, trying to keep it PG here. <laughs> he jumped into the water and then he headed to the shore. The others stayed with the boat and pulled uh, up the loaded net into the shore for they were only about a hundred yards from the shore. When they got there, they found breakfast waiting for them. Fish cooking over the charcoal fire and some bread. Bring some of the fish you've just caught, Jesus said. So Simon Peter went aboard and dragged the net to shore. There were about 153 large fish, yet the net hadn't torn. Now come and have some breakfast, Jesus said. None of the disciples dared to ask him, who are you? They knew it was the Lord. Then Jesus served them the bread and fish. And this was the third time that he had appeared to the disciples since he has been raised from the dead. So that's the scripture, uh, John 21, verses 1 through 14. And we're going to start with that first question. So Kenny, what does this say about God? So if we set the scene a little bit more, we realize that Jesus finds his disciples, the ones that he's been pursuing and, and training and teaching and teaching and traveling with. We find these disciples back in the boat in which he first called them. And if it was me... Like if I was Jesus, I'd be so mad because it's like these guys just forgot about the last three years of what Jesus has been instilling into their lives. And, you know, but he's continuing to pursue relationship with them, right? He's like continuing to make breakfast with them and inviting them to sit and eat. And, you know, have you ever had that situation in your life where maybe you're helping out a friend or a family member uh, to just try to get back on their feet and you've invested time and, and money into them and maybe invited them to live with you for a period of time and, and you've invested, you know, all this time to help them to create a better life for themselves only to find them maybe three months later just completely back in the same hole that they were digging themselves into with three other friends with shovels. And it's just like, God, like, my, my response is always like, you idiot, like, what are you doing? We, we've just worked so hard to make this better for you. And yet you, you are just doing everything that you've did before. And it's like nothing that I did for you ever mattered. And like, that would be my response. But I think we find that Jesus's response is the exact opposite, right? Uh, and so what does it say about God? It's that God relentlessly pursues us in love and relationship. Mm, that's good. God relentlessly pursues us in love and in relationship. He made them breakfast, right? He, he gave them another miracle catch, just like when he did, when he called them three years ago, and he invites them to come and eat. He's so quick to show mercy instead of condemnation. He's so quick to love and not be selfish, and he's so quick to provide grace and relentlessly pursue relationship no matter what. Mm -hmm. So, Zach, what does this say about us? Well, when I think, you know, I, I was reading through it, um, the, the one thing that really, really stuck out to me was, was kind of Peter's response to first seeing Jesus. And the idea that in, in verse 7, it says that he puts on his tunic uh, and he jumps into the water and he kind of goes and swims to the shore. But Peter, what, what I want to point out is that Peter took off his tunic. You know, he was, you know, shirtless in the boat, but he took off his tunic, kind of symbolizing that he was taking off his calling that Jesus had called him to, and he was going back to fishing, just like you were saying. He was going mm. back to what was familiar. But uh, if he was going to see Jesus, he needed to make sure he had his, he made, needed to make sure he looked the part. So he put back on his tunic, um, kind of putting back on his calling. But it really kind of symbolizes the idea, like, there's this grand gesture of like, he wanted to make sure that he looked the part in front of Jesus. Um, and, you know, I think about our lives when it's like, all right, hey, I'm on my way to church and, or maybe um, I'm on my way to take the kids to school to a game or whatever. And you go out in public and the next thing you know, you know, your kids are fighting in the car. You have a fight with your spouse 
and you're, things are rough, but the moment you're in public, you put on this little mask, and oh, everything's fine, we're this perfect little Christian family. And that's kind of what Peter was doing, where he was just, he's putting back on his tunic, and he's like, look, Lord, I never left, I, you know, everything's the same, and I'm still pursuing my calling. But it was kind of a lie. But here's the truth, this is, this is what it says about us, is that there is no grand gesture that will make Jesus love you more and there's no mistake or sin that will make Jesus love you less. So there's nothing we can do that will make Jesus lo uh, love us more or less. We are as close to Jesus's love now than we are ever going to get. He's not looking for a grand gesture, but he's looking for humble, loving trust in him. We don't need to impress Jesus or others because it's not about our performance. It's about our trust in him. So what does it look like to trust Jesus? Well, often when life gets difficult, we kind of run back to what's familiar and comfortable in order to avoid what God is calling us to do. You know, this could be addiction or relationships or, or sin or all, you know, you name it. And so maybe trusting him is, is sticking with our calling. Uh, and that being said, that kind of leads us into the next question of how does this apply to me? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, so, like, to kick this off, I'm one of those people that love change, right? And so, does anybody else love change? Put it in the chat if you love change. And the, we can see that the last three years of Peter's life, he has experienced significant change. Mm -hmm. From a full-time fisherman to a full-time fisher of men. See what I did there? He's not even so. a dad. <laughs> but, I mean, seriously, like, Peter's life has completely changed. His influences have changed. His family dynamics have changed. His home has changed. And uh, basically, he then denies Jesus three times, and he's found back in the boat. He's found back into the familiar. Peter's literally sailing away from his new calling and his new purpose. He goes back to what is familiar, just like Zach said. And he goes back to what he knows, what's easy, what's comfortable. And you know what? he goes back to maybe what something he felt purpose in before. And uh, I feel like this is an easy escape that I can get into as well. It's so easy sometimes for me to kill my discipline of eating healthy by completely sabotaging a lunch, like going to Five Guys, burgers and fries, and you know, and then falling back to what's familiar for dinner, right? Mm. Like why not just get some pizza and just what's exercise? Mm, like just go straight back to what's familiar instead of doing what's harder, which is pursuing you know, health. And then, it, you know, it's easy for me to come home, be lazy on the couch, binge Netflix instead of maybe reading a book that would enhance my leadership or my walk with God. It's so easy to work late and then text my group leader, hey, I'm working late and I'm not going to make it to group tonight, you know, instead of pursuing those relationships with, with those people. And uh, the list goes on and on. It's so easy to fall back to what's familiar, to what's comfortable instead of pursuing something greater. So how does this apply to me, right? Like, don't fall back to the familiar. Instead, pursue mm, your calling. Don't fall back on the familiar. Instead, pursue your calling. See, Jesus finds Peter back on the boat, but he doesn't condemn him. He isn't asking why he isn't pursuing the last three years of what Jesus taught him. He basically reminds Jesus of his power by performing the same miracle that he did three years ago, right? And then he invites him to breakfast and he says, Peter, stay out of the familiar. Mm. And then he reminds him of the calling that he's placed on his life to continually do greater things, right? Stay out of the familiar and to step outside the comfort zone and to continue to pursue greater things in his name and in his power. Yeah, so. you know, it's so easy to go back to the familiar. Um, it's so easy to uh, kind of give up on what God is calling us to do. You know, it's, it's comfortable. It's, it's God calls us from the comfortable into the uncomfortable, just like Tyler talked about with Peter a you know, couple weeks ago and with Jonah, you know? Uh, so that 
that's, uh, we just read that scripture and we just asked the three questions. It was, there it is. It was just a conversation, two dudes with some sparkling water talking about Jesus. And so we're going to do that again. We're going to be reading then uh, verses 15 to 22. And we're just going to ask the same three questions. What does this say about God? What does this say about us? And how does this apply to me? God, us, and me. So with that being said, Kenny, take it away. Here we go. Verse 15, after breakfast, Jesus asked Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Mm. Yes, Lord, Peter replied. You know that I love you. Then feed my lambs, Jesus told him. Jesus repeated the question, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Yes, Lord, Peter said. You know that I love you. Then take care of my sheep. Jesus said a third time, he asked him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt that Jesus asked the question a third time. He said, Lord, you know everything and you know that I love you. And Jesus said, then feed my sheep. I tell you the truth. When you were young, you were able to do as you liked and you dressed yourself and you went where you wanted to go. But when you're old, you will stretch out your hands and others will dress you and take you where you do not want to go. Jesus said this to let him know by what kind of death he would glorify God. Mm. And then Jesus told him, follow me. Peter turned around and saw behind him the disciple Jesus loved, the one who he had leaned over to Jesus during supper and asked, Lord, who will betray you? And Peter asked Jesus, what about him, Lord? And Jesus replied, if I wanted him to remain alive until I return, what is that to you? As for you, follow me. So Zach, what does it say about God? Man, you know, uh, my first instinct is I kind of want to quote Trevor from a couple weeks ago. You know, Jesus uh, says, follow me a couple times uh, to Peter. And this is not the first time uh, Jesus has called uh, Peter to follow him. And it just reminds me that like, uh, we are called to follow Jesus daily, daily. Uh, daily. Okay. When? 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 Daily. Daily, which is, this is kind of funny. Trevor talked daily. Daily. Uh, <laughs> pick up our cross and follow Jesus daily. That's, that's, our, that's our calling. But uh, I, there's actually three things specifically that really stick out to me about, about God in this passage. And the first thing is, that, uh, is this. Jesus often leads us into deep self-examination. You know, often when Jesus asks a question, he's not looking for the right answer. He's just, he's looking for the right response, okay? And so when Jesus asked, you know, do you love me more than these? He asked this to Peter uh, because Peter was actually bragging about loving Jesus more than all the other disciples. But what's interesting and unique about this is that Peter actually denied Jesus three times after his death and before the resurrection. See, Jesus knew where Peter's faith was and, and he didn't need the right answer to this question. He asked the question to help Peter come to terms with where his faith was. Jesus wanted Peter to self-examine his faith. Peter, do you really love me? Uh, you know, Jesus challenges us to live out our faith in him and to stop comparing ourselves to others. You know, Peter compared himself to all the other disciples, even at the end of that scripture. After Jesus says, feed my sheep, feed my sheep, feed my sheep, Peter still goes, what about that guy? <laughs> and, and Jesus just responds with follow me, follow me. Jesus does not want us to live into that comparison for pride's sake or insecurity's sake. Well, what's interesting is that statement that Jesus makes, this kind of leads me to the second thing that stood out to me, is that uh, Jesus kept saying, well, feed my lambs. And, and this made me think about how God has a unique calling for each of us. You know, Jesus, Jesus gave Peter a very unique and particular calling, but that calling still stands with us today. We are all a part of building up the kingdom of God in our lives, in our families, in our communities, and around the world. You know, we uh, make disciples. You know, we are disciple makers. Um, Jesus cared 
about how we care for others, regardless of what's happening in our lives. Peter wasn't having a good day, but the calling to feed uh, his sheep still stood. Uh, This cannot be overstated. We are called to feed his sheep, all of us. Be disciples who make disciples. And then last thing, this is the last thing that uh, that kind of stuck out to me is Jesus asked, uh, do you love me? Three times to Peter uh, because Peter denied Jesus three times. So despite that failure, despite that denial, despite that sin, Jesus still chose Peter. This is huge. And you know, what does this say about, uh, about God? Well, our God is a God of forgiveness, grace, and growth. He loves you as you are, but man, he calls you into more. You know, the scripture says so much about God's love for us and and how we're called to respond to that. And so Kenny, what does this say about us? Yeah, I think there's a flow to this conversation between Peter and Jesus that we miss because of the translation from Greek to English. And the linchpin of this conversation is the word love. Uh, And so I wanted to break this down because the English word for love is ridiculous. Like I love ice cream, I love my bikes, I love my wife. Mm-hmm. Um, I love coffee. I love sunshine. I love... Tacos? Tacos. I love Jesus. Like, are you kidding me? How can you possibly use the same word to describe love for tacos and describe love for Jesus? That's ridiculous. And so the Greeks have actually like seven or eight words for love. And you might mainly find four in the scripture, but I want to focus on two today, which is agape and phileo. Right, so phileo is a friendship type of love. Um, And it's like friends, of course, care about one another, but similar interests attract them to one another. Like I love to bike with people who love to bike. I love to play music with people who love to play music. And now agape is actually defined as kind of like a charity, but not like the charity that you and I would think of nowadays. It's not like somebody who gives away money or things. It doesn't encompass all of what agape is about. Like uh, agape is, is love that is unconcerned with self. It is concerned with the greater good of another. Agape isn't born of emotions or feelings or familiarity or attraction. Uh, it's, it's actually the will of a person and a choice. Agape requires faithfulness. It requires commitment and sacrifice without expecting anything in return. And so we look back onto this conversation and it starts with Jesus, starts with, Peter, do you agape me? He's asking Peter if, if he, Jesus, is the object of Peter's highest affection, if he loves him with no bounds of condition. He really wants Peter to think about these feelings and emotions and answer the question that requires faithfulness and commitment and sacrifice without expecting anything in return. Yet Peter responds with, yes, Lord, you know that I phileo you. Mm, that's, a, that's a different word. It's Peter's way of actually bringing it down a notch. Why didn't Peter use the same word? I think maybe it was because he was ashamed. Maybe it was because he was afraid that he was going to open his big mouth again, right? And not deliver on a promise that he's made before. Because the book of Matthew, actually, chapter 26, tells us that uh, all the disciples sat down and were having the Last Supper with Jesus. And then they went to the Mount of Olives. And Jesus tells them, tonight, all of you will desert me. For the scripture says, God will strike the shepherd and the sheep of the flock will be scattered. But after I've been raised from the dead, I will go ahead of you into Galilee and I will meet you there. And Peter declared, even if everyone else deserts you, Lord, I will never desert you. Jesus replied, I tell you the truth, Peter, this very night before the rooster crows, you will deny three times that you even know me. No, Peter insisted, even if I have to die with you, I will never deny you. And all the other disciples vowed the same thing. 
And so Peter says, Lord, you know that I phileo you. Maybe because he's been there before. Maybe because he's promised Jesus something before. And now, you know, if he says phileo and brings it down a notch from agape, uh, you know, Jesus is asking him to put his money where his mouth is. And, you know, have you ever, like, been there before where you've made a promise to somebody and you're genuinely sorry that you let them down? And you've, you tell them, I'll never betray you again. I, you can earn my trust back. I promise you that I will be devoted to you. Yet like your words are just like falling on deaf ears because your actions literally just proved the opposite of what you said. And so Jesus asked Peter a second time, Peter, do you agape me? And Peter responds again with Lord, you know that I phileo you. Again, Peter chooses the lesser of the word. And then Jesus asked him the third time, Peter, do you phileo me. Jesus changes it up. Jesus changes the word. And the scriptures say at that moment, Peter was hurt. And I think Jesus was really wanting Peter to reflect and dig deep into the meaning of what he was saying. But the beauty of this scripture is that with three denials are confirmed with three affirmations. So what does it say about us, right? We will continually fail God, yet he continually calls us. Mm, That's good. We will continually fail God, yet he continually calls us. Peter denied ever knowing Jesus three times, yet Jesus affirms Peter by reminding him three times of his calling. Peter, take care of my lambs. Peter, feed my lambs. Peter, feed my sheep. Jesus isn't done with Peter. He has more for him to do, more things to accomplish. And church, I'm telling you that regardless of how many times you've denied Jesus, that you've denied your faith, that you've denied your calling, you have more in Christ. Jesus isn't done with you. He is reinstating you to take your next steps to do something greater and reaffirming your calling to be a fisher of men. So what does it say about us? Like if we're above ground, it doesn't matter what we've done, where we've been, how far we've fallen. Jesus is affirming you in love and he is picking you back up in grace and he is calling you to continue to do more in his power and in his name because we will continually fail God yet he continually calls us. Man, that is so good. You know, Mm. I failed. I I was preaching there for a second. I know, preaching for a minute, man. You know, uh, I think I I fail God so often, so often, you know, and I'm sure, you know, you do too. And I'm sure you do too. But how beautiful the gospel is, uh, you know, when, when I think about we will continue to fail, but God will continually reinvite us back in. That's such a good truth. But the question now remains, how does, how does this apply to me? Yeah. How does this apply to you? You know, um, when I was reflecting on this scripture a bit, I really, uh, Jesus's question and Peter's response uh, really, really challenged me. You know, Jesus's question, do you love me more than these? You know, do you love me more than the other disciples? Um, but yet Peter still, you know, looks around, says, you know, I, I do, you know, and I love you more than, you know, John. Look at this other guy. What about him? And, and Peter's still stuck into this comparison game. And if I'm honest with myself as Zach sitting here today, if I'm honest with myself, I am so tempted to compare my faith to others. You know, I think maybe I'm not as bad as that guy I'm, or I'm nothing compared to them or even like, why did God bless them and not me? Um, maybe you've asked similar questions, but here's, here's how this applies to me. You know, God doesn't want you to live in comparison. He wants you to live in purpose. God doesn't want me to live in comparison. He wants me to live in purpose. You know, we're not in competition to be like the best Christian. Uh, you're not going to get a gold star or a gold medal. Uh, Wait, there's no gold star. There's no gold star. Uh, 
you know, because it's not about performance. We're not in competition with each other. We are in competition with Jesus against Satan for the soul of our world, for the soul of our family, for the soul of our communities. Mm. You know, we are not in competition with each other. And I think as a young leader, I am so constantly comparing myself to other people. You know, other friends I have in ministry. I went to Bible school, so I have, I have uh, friends who are pastors all around the country. You know, maybe even other staff members or celebrity pastors that I see online. I'm so constantly uh, comparing myself to them. And so my challenge and application, because, you know, if, if we're reading scripture, I, I want to make sure I have a challenge and application, is, I mean, I, I want to not only stop comparing myself to other people, but I decide I need to start celebrating others more. Um, so this week, I'm making it real practical, and I hope you do the same. But this week, I'm going to go out of my way to celebrate a friend who has had success where I have not. And then I'm going to thank God for how he has blessed them. You know, and because I think when it, the opposite of comparison is it's cel- celebration. Yeah. And so I'm going to go out of my way to celebrate uh, some of my friends. I love that. Well, so as we close, I just want to ask you what your next step is, right? Because we say that a lot, and mm-hmm. every single one of us is on a journey to be more and more like Jesus. However, if we're not taking our next steps to pursue what God is calling us into, we start to get stagnant. We start to fall back into what is familiar and easy, right? And so uh, what is your next step? He commands us to take up our cross daily, right? And follow him into the unfamiliar, into those seasons that cost us greatly. Um, And so there's nothing greater than pursuing your next step when it comes to Jesus Christ. So Zach? So maybe you're like me and my next step is who can you celebrate instead of comparing yourself to this week? Who's somebody in your mind that you can celebrate instead of comparing yourself to this week? I know that I'm going to definitely spend time this week examining my heart to see if there's a failure that has brought me back to the familiar Mm -hmm. instead of pursuing God's calling on my life. Mm, That's huge. And maybe even just the greater one as, you know, the whole reason that Kenny and I wanted to do this kind of Bible study is to show you that this is easy. It's possible. Um, It it doesn't have to be this big uncomfortable thing, this big holy, you know, overarching thing. It's just... This is a simple conversation with a friend about the Bible. Um, You don't even have to call it a Bible study. You can call it a a God, us, me conversation. And so maybe your next step is is asking yourself, who is one person that I can have a God, us, me conversation with? So good. I'm going to pray for us. Lord Jesus, thank you for your word. God, thank you for how powerfully it speaks to our hearts today. And God, I pray that we would not just be hearers of your word, but God, we would be doers. And Lord, that we would take some of these things that you've given us, Lord, by breakfast with you, by the lake. God, and we would apply these to our lives. And God, we would continue on purpose and on mission for you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Amen.